So Money, Episode 757, Brad Deitzer, author of Leading Clarity. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Are you searching for clarity in your life? either at work or home. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Have you been searching for one of those aha moments that will help you figure out your next step? This show is for you. Our guest today says waiting for an aha moment might not be the best approach. In fact, clarity is available to you right now, whether you realize it or not. Brad Deitzer has gone from working for the Ringling Brothers to founding a top consulting firm called Deitzer, where he helps businesses find clarity and manage major transitions. Now, I know a lot of you don't own your own business. A lot of you aren't CEOs. So we do spend a good bit of time talking to Brad about the leader in all of us. His new book is called Leading Clarity, The Breakthrough Strategy to Unleash People, Profit, and Performance. Brad is a huge fan of thinking inside the box, not outside the box. He's going to tell us why. And if you're an entrepreneur who does want to improve culture at your business, or even if you're an employee trying to find a way to engage more at work, you'll want to listen to this episode. Here we go. Here is Brad Deitzer. Brad Deitzer, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to visit with you. You have a very interesting background. I want to talk about your life with the Ringling Brothers, but let's let's talk about the current exciting thing that's uh, that's that's uh, that you're sharing with the world, which is your new book, your first book, Leading Clarity: The Breakthrough Strategy to Unleash People, Profit, and Performance. And I know this book is primarily written with the CEO and top-level C-suite founders in mind. But really, I think for listeners, there's a lot of takeaway for individuals as well, the leader in all of us. So first, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write Leading Clarity. I understand this kind of was born out of your practice, your consulting business. It is. So Leading Clarity has been a dream of mine. I've, I've always wanted to write a book and I really thought the first book was going to be called From One Circus to Another, starting back to my circus days. But, <laughs> um, you know, we, we live in a world that there is so much chaos and there's so much change politically, technologically, um, societally, things that are changing. And we all are, are faced with decisions we have to make every single day in life. And those decisions can really define a lot about where we go next. And so that was really the kind of the the driving force behind the book and really wanting to share our view that clarity is an actual process to help leaders all of us are leaders in our in, in our lives and our work wherever we are just the leader in all of us to help us be able to to process the things that are going on in the world around us. There are a lot of maybe synonyms for the word clarity that we hear, and I'd love for you to differentiate what you mean by clarity and these other words that we get thrown around, such as breakthrough, aha moment, um, 
Simon Sinek, a guest on this show, massively popular um, consultant, speaker, and he's written books about finding your why, right? So uh, there's all these sort of uh, other ways to discuss and share the importance of finding your, I don't know what you call it, like your truest self, your your vision, your clarity, but but you're talking about something a little bit more specific, different. So I'd love for you to differentiate what you mean by clarity and what we often hear is some other words that sound similar, but maybe they're not the same. Yeah. I, I think that there's touches of each of those words that, that, that connect to clarity, but we look at clarity as not an aha moment. It's not an arrival point necessarily, but we look at it. Clarity as a process and clarity is found in our world and in, in, in our view inside the proverbial box. You know, we, we all talk about thinking outside the box and we prize um, creativity is found outside the box and innovation and performance. And what we have found is, is that it's actually inside the box thinking. And there is a purposeful construct to the box, whether you're an organization or really an individual can look at their own kind of framework. And once we establish that framework, that clarity is found inside. Yeah, I'm looking at your box. I have the diagram here. It has six parts. It's not four-sided. And you talk about the importance of having a side for direction, operations, people, engagement, identity, environment. Environment kind of uh, popped out at me because what you say in the book, which is also a little counterintuitive, is that we're not products of our environment. We are products of our expectations. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Because I feel like our environment is so much of what influences us, especially as we're young and we're growing up, how we're raised, who we have around us, our surroundings. So uh, back that up for me a little bit. So sure. So the line actually, we're not products of our environment, we're products of our expectation, came from a book that really touched me in a lot of different ways. Um, It's called The Other West Moore. And in the book, they they really talked about the idea that the environment is important. And I'm not, I don't want to downplay the environment because what we do as a company is we create environments for people to thrive and, and environments where culture can um, be nurtured. But what we have found is that it's actually the expectations that we set for ourselves and for our organizations that really define our ultimate success. If we believe that we can only achieve at a certain level, then that's the level we're going to achieve too. I, I think that there's a there's a, a, a theory called the flea theory that I, that I heard about that I, that I have fun with. And it's the theory that if you give a flea a box that's a foot tall to jump on, the flea will jump on it. And if you give a flea a two-foot box, they'll jump to the top of that. And they'll keep jumping to, to the level of expectation that, that is set. And I think that's really fundamental to how we think about ourselves individually as people and, and organizations that it's all about the expectation of what 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 we believe is achievable, both from a performance standpoint, but sometimes it's from a behavioral standpoint as well. What companies do you see as having clarity today? You were recently on a television program. I was watching your interview on Cheddar uh, on the day where Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg had to testify about his, um, uh, I guess, 
his his problems, <laughs> to put them lightly, with in regard to trust and cons- his customers and um, the business of Facebook and what they were hiding, sort of sort of from from its users. So there is a company there that obviously we we know that is ex- that is maybe struggling with clarity. But what are some examples that you often cite as the models? Um, there are there are so many high performing companies out there, and and, I, and we don't work we don't get to work in all of them. I, I we get to work uh, across the country and world on different kinds of organizations, and so it's hard. Um, when you're not inside to really say, Hey, these people are engaged. But when I look at organizations like Apple and I look at, at, at that, that's one that I, that I look at. And on, on some levels, I see that they have a very clearly defined box that they, the clear direction, it, it appears to have strong operation. There's strong engagement from, uh, it's people. Um, and so you look at those four sides you look at the bottom of the box, their identity is clear. They, they are who they are. Um, and I think that's, that's manifests itself in, 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 in their stores and their product design. And then you look at the top is they, they're constantly taking cue of their environment. So I look at an organization like that and on the, on the, from the outside and I'm, I'm a consumer, I look at that and say, that would be an organization that appears to have clarity to me. All right. I'd love to now go down memory lane a little bit to your backstory and talk about before you arrived at your consulting firm, you uh, obviously there is no secret. You can find and search that you worked for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. What did you do there and what <laughs> drew you to the circus? Well, um, so Ringling Brothers was an interesting chapter in my life. And um, I had graduated from college and I had started, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and I decided to, as I say, retire early from law school. And so my parents were very supportive and they said, we'll, we'll, we'll support you. We don't understand why you don't want to finish law school, but we'll support you. And, um, so I had to go out and pass my resume out downtown Houston, um, literally on the streets of downtown and going in and out of businesses. And I found a company that uh, was willing to talk to me. And in the interview, they said, we think that uh, we have the perfect job for you. And I said, great, I'll start tomorrow. And they said, well, it's not with us. It's with Ringling Brothers. It's like getting your MBA at, at Harvard in, in marketing. So I go and get the job at Ringling Brothers. Um, and I learned a, a, my, really a very important financial lesson. Um, I, I get the job. I was a regional marketing director or an old fashioned uh, promoter where I went all around the country. And my, my lesson was they paid me $250 a week. Hmm. So that was my salary. And, um, my dad looked at me and said, you know, son, are you, do you understand how much money that that is? And I said, well, yeah, but it's this incredible opportunity. And so I, I took the job and I arrived the first day on the job and I look at my boss and said, uh, what's my, per diem to go with my salary. And he looked at me and, and I, I can't use the language on this, but he said, it's not my problem. We don't give you a per diem. And then I said, well, what's my, how much do I get for hotel? And he said, did I forget to tell you that? And I said, oh. did I forget to tell you forget to tell me what he said, we pay you a salary of $250. If you can't trade. So the idea of barter was a new concept to me with money. 
if you can't barter your way to stay at hotels and pay for your food, then you'll, uh, you'll be living on the streets. And so that was my, really one of my early lessons, um, uh, with Ringling brothers and, 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 and how to deal with, uh, how to deal with money. So what did you do? How'd you I, make, how did you make ends meet? I, I didn't have a choice. Uh, I was out on the road. I traveled 365 days a year, uh, with everything I owned and I had, uh, hundreds and hundreds of, uh, tickets that everywhere I went, I'd trade for tickets. Uh, so I'd go to hotels and I'd barter for a room and I'd get rejected way more than I got, uh, accepted. And I learned that how to, how to create uh, a narrative around the opportunity for them to use the tickets and help other people. And, uh, I'd go to dinners and I trade for my dinners and promising managers and waiters the best night of their life at the greatest show on earth. And so I, I learned how to survive and I, uh, every single day while I was at the circus, I traded for every night except for one night of the circus where my, my boss told me I had to be in, um, in Tampa, in Tampa, Florida on a certain Saturday night. And I said, I no way I can trade that night. Um, and he said, why? And I said, the Super Bowl's in Tampa. And he ended up paying nineteen ninety nine for a, a hotel where I had a, a bed that vibrated all night. So, oh my <laughs> <laughs> so looking back, could there have been a better way to teach you important, uh, important lessons or are you, are you thankful for that experience? It's an experience that I wouldn't wish on anyone else, but I am extraordinarily grateful that it happened to me. It taught me lessons that um, I that I could do it and that I could get out there and when when my back was to the wall, find a way to survive with as much money or as little money as I had at the moment. And I think you probably had a great experience overall because you wrote for the New York Daily News. You penned a, a sort of an homage to them when they ultimately closed the business uh, recently. And that was uh, a, a, probably a sad chapter in your life that ended, right? I think it's a, it's a sad chapter in my life. But to me, it's a sad chapter overall for all of us. Because we we lost a we lost a show whether you liked the circus or or didn't like the circus, it was one of those things that families could come together and enjoy. And I think that there's less and less of those opportunities that exist today that 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 aren't about the the bling and the flash and the technology. It was just good old fashioned family fun. So yeah, there's a sadness, but life goes on. What is your money mindset or money philosophy? today, Brad, based on what you just told me, I, I feel like that might have some influence on how you think about money these days. So I, to my money mindset really is about not being fearful of money. I have people in my life who have a lot of money and who I watch them live in fear of one day losing it. And I have people in my life who don't have a lot of money who I see both sides to. And so my philosophy is not being fearful. It's being grateful for what I have, not allowing what I have or don't have at the moment to define me, um, really believing um, in a long-term kind of view of, of money and understanding that money's not always green. 
and um, the whole barter system is uh, is still alive and well. It is for sure. Uh, how did you grow up? I uh, would love to hear a story, maybe from childhood, about money. Uh, we have this uh, great sponsor, Chase Slate, and they recently did a study looking at how families communicate around money. And they found that over 50% of parents have actually had a money talk with their kids. So in your grow- in your upbringing, was there a money talk? Did you have a financial experience that has really stayed with you all these years? So my experience with my, growing up is watching my parents and watching my grandparents. And my dad, I watched him work every single day, whether he was sick, whether he was not. And so it was always the value of hard work and really putting everything into it and that money would follow that hard work. And my earliest memory of working with my dad, he gave me um, uh, an old, this is early in the seventies. He gave me an old tiny calculator and I had to on a tape create, uh, add up a bunch of costs and expenses. And I, I, you know, it's probably seven or eight years old and I earned $7 and I will never forget the feeling of getting that first check for something that I worked for, that I earned. And I still have that check today, that, that $7 check. That's crazy. You didn't spend it. You didn't want to spend it. I didn't want to spend it. There was something that was so special to me that it had my dad's company logo on it and that he had signed it. And that seven, that $7, um, it just, it, it was something that the value of knowing that I had accomplished something and I had done a, 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 a job to the best of my abilities and got rewarded for it, just it meant something. And I think it was watching my dad and, you know, my mom do all, you know, work, work hard forever and, and, and valuing what, whatever they had. That's a great story. Tell us about a financial failure, something that you goofed on money-wise, it, it was a uh, important thing for you to go through because it then allowed you to live life more financially, healthily, responsibly. So my, I could, I could find lots of stories on this, but I think the most relevant is really my company. And for probably the first 10 years of my company, I wasn't motivated by money. And I was motivated by simply helping others, doing really cool things, doing, helping them achieve great success, but at the expense of me and, you know, probably as I look at it, the people around me. And so I look at that somewhat as a failure because as my company has evolved, as my mindset has evolved, I, I now understand and recognize that people can do good and still earn uh, a fair a fair salary. And, and so I think that's a time where I look back at a bunch of years where I gave and gave and gave. And I don't regret it because it's helped me get to where I am. But I look at that as a time where I'd probably say, you know, we could have done more and I could have done more for the people around me. Hmm. So what, are, what specifically do you think you could have done more of? Um, I think that you know, today, you know, what, what we've, what we've established in our, in our company is we have the Deitzer, um, uh, we, we have a fund that we've created that every employee has a clarity fund. And so giving people in my company, each person money that they can go out and give back to the community. 
Um, we could have done things to create a different environment. Um, we always made money. Every year we were profitable. We just weren't profitable at a level that we probably could have invested back in our company, in our community the same way that we, we probably do today. And your so money moment, is there a moment when you're really proud of the, the money move that you made, a financial decision that you made? So I think one of the, my, my money, my, my so money moment would be uh, a client calling me and saying, Brad, you're going to get a FedEx today. And he uh. said, right when you open, right when you open the FedEx, open it, look at it and give it to an adult. And I said, wait, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm the CEO of the company. He said, open, open, open the FedEx and you'll see exactly what I'm saying. And I said, so, okay. So I, I get, I get the FedEx, I open it and it's a check for $600,000. What? And I had never, I had never gotten a check like that ever. And it was written out to my company and I called and I said, John, I said, I don't understand. I said, I don't understand the check and I don't understand giving it to an adult. And he said, well, Brad, the check is for all the work you did for us, for all the success you helped us achieve and never charge us for us. So we charged you plenty. We had a contract. He said, Brad, you went so way over and above. We what? want to reward back, which, you know, in today's world, does that happen? No, no. So it's, it's, it's the good in people and it's trusting and doing the right thing. And I said, but help me. So I, I, I I'm struggling with accepting this check first of all. And he said, that's exactly why I want you to give it to another adult in the office because they can take it and deposit it. And I know that you'll sit and stare at it and uh, not do anything. But um, it was something that was uh, definitely a so money moment for, for me. And um, it just gave me such, such great uh, feeling that you know, people appreciate people who, you know, who, who care and do great work and, and help people get uh, incredible results with their work in their lives. That's so much money. Did this company recently IPO and that was where they got the, the cash? How did they come up with 600,000? Well, how did they come up with that kind of valuation to give you? Why not a million? Why not 500,000? Did you ever ask? Probably not because you're too nice. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't ask, but um, we help them dramatically transform the performance of their company. And so their, their financial, uh, future was fundamentally changed there. It, it was, it happened to be a, a company in the healthcare space. And, um, by really looking and helping them devise a system to, to understand payer mix, we were able to, to transform their, their ability to, to serve their community in fundamentally different ways. What did you do with the money? You gave it to someone else to deposit, but did you pay it forward? Did you reinvest? How, how did you make the most of that 600000 We rewarded the people who had the greatest impact on that business. And uh, we do so much in the community giving back. Um, and, and we give so back to just creating healthy communities and creating clarity in communities. And so we, we invested it uh, back in the community and in the company and in the people who made the biggest uh, impact. Do the good work and have no expectations, it sounds like. That's a, a wonderful story. I love that. All right. Share with us now, Brad, a so money habit that you have, a financial habit that really helps to keep your finances in check. So this may be a, a different answer than you get, but uh, my, my so money habit is trusting my wife. Mm. Uh, and so I know who I am. 
I know what I'm great at and I'm, I'm great at helping other people and I love to create and think big. And my wife is a big thinker, but my wife has extraordinarily disciplined skill set when it comes to, to money and managing money. And so I have really relied on her, um, to, to work as a team and to, to manage our money and to protect what we have and to make the best financial decisions. So she's my best, she's my best habit. That's really great. Do you guys have money meetings and, um, any kind of organization around your financial planning? We, we have, we have occasional meetings and we always, uh, meet, uh, once a year to kind of set the, the parameters for what we want to do. Um, we try as a family with my kids to have meetings, to talk about money, um, and specifically to talk about what we're going to do with money and how my kids will influence how we help others who, who may not have, uh, resources and funds to do what they want. So we, we, we try to be way more intentional about, including our kids in, in those conversations. Um, but I, but I, I really, really, really rely and, and trust, uh, trust Jill, my wife to, to make sure we're, we're doing okay. That's great. Usually it's usually the reverse where, uh, I feel like husbands are often the ones that are managing the big picture finances. So this is refreshing to hear. I love it. All right. Well, I'm, proud, I'm proud of I'm proud of of, of the way we do it, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm I'm not uh, embarrassed at all to say that uh, she's the one who who guides it. No, no, no embarrassment at all. I think this is great to be able to. I think the ideal spot is where you're both involved, and it sounds like you're communicating, and that's the most important thing. But to sort of be the CFO of the family that usually falls upon um, traditionally the men. But I love that you know, and I think increasingly it is becoming the women. So obviously I like that. Brad Deitzer, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations again on your book, Leading Clarity, The Breakthrough Strategy to Unleash People, Profit, and Performance. We love hearing your stories. Keep it going and have a wonderful rest of your summer. Thank you so much. I love listening and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of part of what you're doing. To learn more about Brad and purchase his book, you can visit braddeitzer.com. And by the way, Deitzer is spelled D-E-U-T-S-E-R. All this information is back over at somoneypodcast.com where you can download the transcript, get all these links, and leave me a question for our Friday episodes. Also suggest maybe co-hosting with me. I am looking for co-hosts. If you're itching to get on the show and connect with me and maybe share a little bit about your financial life and help our listeners answer their money questions, I'd love to connect with you. So be sure to get in touch either on Instagram, direct message me there, or leave a note over at somoneypodcast.com, clicking on Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money.